Hey, Crispin here on the North Shore Vineyard Church audio podcast. Today on the podcast, we will feature audio from our service on November 18th. And this audio has a special guest speaker, Adam Russell, who is the senior pastor of the Campbellsville, Kentucky Vineyard, who we brought in to do a worship retreat and got him to stay over for the weekend. This message is entitled, Knowing the Love of God. Great time getting Adam down, and I think you're going to get a lot out of this. We've had a busy month, and so I uh, don't have a whole lot of announcements at this point, so just stay in touch with North Shore Vineyard at northshorevineyard.org for upcoming events. Now, let's go ahead and head to North Shore Vineyard Church, downtown Covington. Thanks for listening. in this part of the world before. But I'm just from Kentucky, so what do I know, right? Uh, Yeah, like Crispin said, I am from central Kentucky. I'm from out in the sticks. Um, We're rednecks out where I live. Um, I've got three kids and a wife and um, got a church and we're just, you know, doing the thing. A lot like you guys are. Uh, my wife and I, we also have 10 acres of wine grapes and a winery, so we're, we're like vineyard people twice over. Uh, whenever I talk about the vineyard, people never know if I'm talking about the church or like the vineyard. So uh, it's cool. Um, yeah, man, thanks worship band. You guys are great. Wasn't that great? Um, Yeah, it's a real treasure. I get to travel to a lot of different vineyard churches for different things, and like, not everybody has this. I just want you to know, okay? They really don't. Not everybody has it. So you have reason to be uh, happy because you're, you're tremendously, bre- tremendously blessed. I speak for a living. Hey, um, I want to talk to you guys this morning about the love of God. And I want to talk to you about experiencing and knowing and feeling the love of God. I want to talk to you about making a transition from the love of God being like an intellectual thing and beginning to touch your heart. Is that okay? Okay, so I want to talk to you this morning out of some scriptures that you know, and I want to tie it together maybe in, a, in some different sort of ways. Um, here's what I've noticed after pastoring and being in ministry for a lot of years. What I've noticed is this, is that lots of people, especially inside the church, have an intellectual understanding of the love of God. Like, so if I were to pass out a test this morning about God's nature, and it were multiple choice, you guys would all get most of the questions right. Like, in the church, it's really common for us to have an intellectual understanding of who God is, and an intellectual understanding of what what His love is like. We could pass multiple choice questions. We could pass that test. How many of you realize that life isn't multiple choice? Yeah, that's what I call flat knowledge. It's like flat, static knowledge. And one of the things about life is, is that life is neither flat nor static. It is textured. It is rich. It is multi-dimensional and it is moving. It's like, the, it's like the heart in your chest right now. It's beating. It's like the blood in your veins. It's moving. And so what we need is we need an understanding. We need an encounter with the love of God that isn't flat or static, but one that's moving, rich, textured, and multi-dimensional like the heart in your chest and the blood in your veins. Does this make sense? 
Yeah, so that's what I want to talk about this morning. And I want to talk about why feeling it and knowing the love of God is so important. And the first reason is this. We're going to talk about three reasons this morning. Very simple. The first reason that it's so important is because, number one, it's actually possible. The reason it's so important to know the love of God in this way is because, number one, it's actually possible. The scripture says in 1 John 4, 8 that God is love. Not only that, but you were perfectly designed and constructed to know and fellowship with God. It's actually possible. Uh, Human beings are not just flesh and bone, but you are a soul and a spirit and a body somehow mashed together, somehow connected. We're intricate. We are complex. We are unique. We are full of His image and we are full of His glory. And we are constructed perfectly to know, fellowship, and experience God and His love. Like, for instance... You're a body, you're a soul, you're a spirit. But where those parts begin and where the other parts end is not always readily noticeable. Like for instance, where does, where does, the, brain be, where does the brain end and thoughts begin? It's like we know there's a brain and we know there are thoughts. Well, how are, I don't know. And one of the, tr- the truth is, is right now in, in the sciences, in ne- neurology, they're beginning to delve into this spirit-soul-body connections. And what they're finding is, is it's much more complex. But one of the things that I see in it is that you and I were made to know God. We've been built with all the stuff on the inside that it actually takes to know Him. You're not just a heart. You're not just bones. You're not just blood. And you're not just a liver, but you're a spirit. And you're perfectly designed to encounter the spirit realm. You're perfectly designed to know God. It's the reason why feeling His love is so important. You're actually, you've actually been given everything it takes to know it. But a lot of times we don't know it. And here's one of the things that's really interesting about life. It's, it's interesting to me that you can have things on board but not know it. Um, one time, uh, a guy at my church, he runs sound and handles technology for us. My, my computer like nearly exploded. I don't know what I did to it, but... It, Anyway, Bobby took my computer, and he, he fixed my computer, and he says to me, Hey, Adam, by the way, I put a new operating system on your computer. I'm like, okay, cool. He updated it for me. I got a new operating system. Went back in, and it was like really cool, like new things, new ways of doing things. But one of the things I noticed was for the next two months, I was discovering things that I didn't know were on my computer. Like new ways of doing things. It was in there the whole time. It's in the operating system, but I didn't know it. You're perfectly designed to know God. You've got more on board on the inside than you know. Somewhere between your gallbladder and your liver, there's a spirit in there, and he's perfectly designed to know God. Why is it so important to feel the love of God? Because you're made to know it. You won't, you won't even be, you won't be a fulfilled, vibrant person until you're encountering God in that way. I was reading in the New York Times not long ago about how babies need to be touched by their mothers. This is so interesting. When a baby's born, it needs to be touched by their mother. Um, they need to experience the embrace of their, 
of their mother, and they need to experience it right away. And, and uh, my wife is pregnant now with number four. Huge accident. How did that happen? <laughs> like we had no idea this was going to happen. Um, this is really funny. It has nothing to do with my message, but when she came to tell me, I was out working on my bar, and I had this like pass load nail gun, and I'm nailing stuff, and it's like, awesome. I'm sweating, and it's just like, yes. And she comes out, and she says, Adam, I'm pregnant. And I'm like, ah, oh, don't lie to me, woman. And she's like, I'm not lying to you. And she shows me the test, and I said, oh, you had your sister pee on that, because I know my wife. And she's like, no, this is my pee on this thing. When she told me that, this thing happened to me. I lost all feeling in my arms. I had to set my nail gun down like this. And I couldn't move my arms for 45 minutes. Anyway, we're going to have another baby. And it's vitally important as soon as that baby's born that it, that it feels and experiences the touch of its mother. One of the things I read in the New York Times, it said this, that if a baby doesn't experience adequate touch from its mother, especially when it's first born, the hormone levels in that baby change, cortisol goes up, that's your stress hormone, and it stays up the rest of your life. Why? Because, because the, baby needs, the baby needs a certain kind of love. There's a certain kind of encounter that is essential for a baby. And if it doesn't get it, stress hormones go up forever imagine this if you would imagine a mother who can only speak to her children when they're crying but never comes in with an embrace i hear you you're crying it's okay i love you it's totally okay totally i'm here totally okay See, we need to know the love of God. We need to have it touch our hearts. And it needs to become more than an intellectual understanding. Because if the love of God is only an intellectual understanding, it favors the smart and the brilliant. See, let's not be satisfied with an experience of God that only favors the smart and the brilliant. Why? Number one, I'm an idiot. <laughs> So the number one reason why it's important to know the love of God is because you're actually designed to know it. It's possible. Number two. Second reason it's so important to know and experience and feel the love of God is, is this. Uh, it, it's really simple. It's, it's that big. The love of God is so big. A couple really famous scriptures for you. You guys know these scriptures. John 3.16 For God so loved the world. Like how, and by the way, when it says God so loved the world, the implication there is not just the world in the sense of everyone who's alive right now, but it's God so loved the world, and it's the sense of everyone who's ever lived and will ever live. That's how big God's love is. It's like all people, all times, everywhere. He's just, he just loves people. Like it's so important to know the love of God because it's, it's that big. It's massive 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 love every person who's ever lived every person in the jungle bush every person in new york city right now every person who's living in alaska and they're mining gold that's my favorite show that gold rush show i love that show 
He loves the gold rush guys. It's that big. Not only that, another famous scripture, it says in Romans 5.8, it's one of the first scriptures I, I memorized when I was a little kid. My mom brought this scripture to me. Romans 5.8 says that God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So not only is God's love so big that it's the whole world, but it's a particular kind of massive love, and it's the kind of love that loves people even when they're crazy, rebellious, and they don't even like God. Whoa. Like, God doesn't just love good people, God loves bad people. Hello. Isn't that good news? Like, He loves rebellious people. Like, people who are like, you know what, I don't like Jesus. I think Jesus is an idiot. God's like, I love that guy. All the Jesus is an idiot people, God loves them. He's just so crazy about them. There are some people in the world who think that not only is God just an idiot, but they think that God's a bad guy. And, that, and they actually have come to the conclusion that, that God is part of the problem in the world. And God looks at those people who think that he's part of the problem and he says, I just, I love them. So it's a, it's a, it's a love that encompasses all the world in all time and all places. And it even loves rebels. Like even before you or I were good, even when you were completely bad, Jesus said, I love you so much and I'm willing to show you by dying on the cross for you. Rebels. It's so big. And one of the things that we get here, when we're talking about the greatness of God's love, is especially from this scripture, Romans 5.8, that even while we're sinners, Christ died for us, we get this, this reality that sets in on us if we, if we just meditate on it, that God's love is completely non-conditional. It's non-conditional in the sense that His love for me doesn't depend on my goodness or performance at all. You can be a really bad person and God will love you. Like this morning, God loves every single person in here. Like, like if you never change, He's going to love you. Like if you never, ever, ever change. Like if you stay completely stuck your whole life. Like if you're 22 and you die when you're 80 and you spend nearly 60 years just completely jacked up. At the end of your years, God is going to say, I love you. He's just completely in love with you. It's completely non-conditional. It was never about your goodness anyway. It was always about his kindness. It's that big. And a love that's that big is certainly too big to simply fit in the rational boundaries of my own mind or my past experience. Eventually, it has to overflow my understanding. Here's the deal. If it's complete understanding, it isn't God. If my encounter with God is something that I completely understand, we may, have be, we may be following around the wrong God. Here's the deal. I, I, I do not ever want to come to the point of being completely convinced and understanding every single thing there is about God. It is, an, it is an absolute assurance that I'm following around someone, but it might not be the God of the universe. He's, he's beyond. He's knowable. He's present. He's here. He's self-revealing. He shows himself, especially in Jesus, and he is the sovereign Lord of all the universe. He is magnificent in every way. He is massive. There is a part of him that's unknowable. He's so big. We can never exhaust the knowledge of God. And that's his love. Not only that, 
But we have this God who loves us even when we're rebels. But we also have a God, and His love is not a, simply a task-oriented love. I was praying this morning, and I felt impressed by the Spirit to share this with you about the love of God. It's not a task-oriented love. What I mean by that is this. Sometimes we confuse God's love with the kind of love that we experienced and saw displayed in our own fathers. God's love is not a task-oriented love. Here's what I mean by that. God's love is bigger than a task of saving souls. God's love is bigger than covering sin. And I'm glad that He covers sin and saves souls. But it's actually bigger than that. There's something beyond saving souls and covering sin. You might be thinking, I don't know about this, Pastor. That doesn't square with my theology. Here's what I mean. You have to ask yourself a question. After you get saved, have you ever asked yourself this question? What's next? Can I tell you something? The point of life is not being saved. The point of life is not being saved. The point of life is knowing Him. Salvation is a... The point of salvation is so that you can know Him. Genesis and Revelation are incredibly helpful for us in this regard. Before there was any sin in the book of Genesis, God makes a garden and He places Adam and Eve in it and it tells us that He walked and had fellowship with them in the cool of the day. See, that's the point of life. That's the point. Of, that's what His heart is. His heart is humanity made in His image that we might interact and know Him. The point of life isn't just you simply being saved. The point of life is you having a face-to-face encounter with God. And your heart being touched by His love. When when the point of life becomes about salvation, this is what happens. It's like we get on the interstate and we confuse the interstate as the point. See, the interstate is not the point. Where we're going is the point. You know? Um, uh, I-12 out here is not the point. New Orleans is the point. If that makes sense. Dang it! The causeway! Do not confuse the causeway! Man, I was working it so hard! Google Maps, you fail me every time! But the point is to know Him. And to feel Him. See, His love has purchased salvation and healing for a much bigger purpose. His love isn't task-oriented love that says, See what I did for you? Now, not, now enjoy not going to hell. Peace out. <laughs> Rather, it says, See what I've done for you? And my precious Son, Jesus, now come here to me. See, good fathers provide, but great fathers are present. He's here. And if He's here, you have to ask yourself, why? Because He's in love with us. Why? Because He likes you. Why? Because He wants to know you. Number three. Third reason why it's so important to know, experience, and feel the love of God Because He actually lives inside of you. I want to read a couple of scriptures to you out of John 14. John 14. 
verse 17, but I'll, I'll read a couple verses before that. Jesus said in verse 16, I'll ask the Father and he'll give you another counselor to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you will know him for he lives with you and will be in you. Where does the spirit of God live? In you. Now look at verse 20. And on that day you will realize that I am in my father and you are in me and I am in you. Jesus says, I'm in my father and you are in me and Jesus and I'm in you. Who do we have inside of us? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. I don't know how this works, but Trinity is on the inside, somewhere next to the gallbladder, right before the liver. I know nuts. I'm an idiot. See what I... He lives here. He's on the inside. And we're in Him. And it says in Colossians chapter 1, verse 27, it says, talks about Christ in you, the hope of glory. So here's what we've got. We've got God living on the inside of us and somehow mysteriously we are inside of Him. Inside of us, inside of Him. And He's love. One of the things that tells me is this. It's very simple. If I can't feel His love, if I can't become aware of His affections, and if I can't become aware of His presence, it's because I'm deceived. He's inside of me and I'm inside of him. To the extent that I'm living completely unaware of his love and unaware of his presence, it's because I'm deceived. He's actually here. Now you might ask yourself, how's that possible? Well, the number one way it's possible is through past experiences. Things happen to us and they shape us. The house we grow up in, the mother and the father that we have, the tragedy and the disappointment, and if it's left unchecked and unhealed, they become a dominant narrative in our lives. And one of the things about human be- beings is this, is that we, we look for story, we look for narrative, and if tragedy and disappointment are unhealed in our lives, they become the dominant narrative, and then we extend those into our future. So the things that have happened in our past, we just begin to write them into our future unknowingly. One of the things that we do as human beings is that we write our disappointments and our hurts and we write them out in a way that they become the defining markers of our life story. Wounds that are not taken to the healer, wounds that are not taken to the doctor become infected. Broken bones that are not set fuse and cause us to be crippled. The number one reason that we can't feel the love of God is because we're believing past hurts and wounds, and we're writing them into our present and future. We've assumed that, that it was God who has afflicted us, not realizing that He is actually our healer. And, I, and one of the things I want to tell you about that this morning is this, is that there's actually a greater truth, and there's a bigger story. Um, just because something happened to you doesn't mean it's true. Now I'm going to get really weird here for a minute, Okay. What do you mean? Am I talking about denying reality? Heck no. I'm not talking about denying reality, but just because something happened to you doesn't mean it's true. Here's what I mean by that. 
I'm not talking about fantasy, and I'm not talking about changing the facts, changing history, or changing the story. But what I am talking about is this, that what happened to you is nowhere near as true as what is happening and what will one day happen. God is on the move in your life right now, and He is going to one day set every single thing right. He is one day going to heal and restore and renew every broken thing in your life and in your family's life, in your community, every disappointment, every hurt, every single thing that has bruised and wounded and afflicted every person you've ever known is going to be set right in God because He's love. And because of that, it tells me that what happened isn't as true as what's happening and what will one day happen. What happened is not allowed to define us because the love of God is going to set every single thing straight. Our disappointments aren't as true as His healing. Our wounds aren't as lasting as His love. His love which has made and is now remaking all things. God is a creator, but He's also a recreator. And it's the revelation of God as a recreator that captures my heart. He doesn't, he doesn't burn things up and throw them away. He always rebuilds and renews. Always rebuilds and renews. Here's the trouble with being deceived. The trouble with being deceived is that you don't know that you're deceived. It's a heck of a deal. Um, in the beginning of my marriage, my wife and I, Heather and I, we were poor. We just didn't know it. <laughs> then about five years later, I bought a business. It started doing really good. We had a bunch of money. And I looked, back, I looked at her. We were in bed one night. And I, I look at her. I'm like, pillow talk. I'm like, babe, dude, we were really poor. She's like, you know, I never thought of that. We were crazy poor. We had $25 a week to eat on. Like, we didn't have anything. We thought it was, we thought it was totally normal to eat, like, Raymond noodles and, and bagels. Because bagels will fill you up, man. I, I thought that was normal. We didn't have any air conditioning. We had this tiny little air conditioner in one room. We'd shut the, all the other rooms in our house that we were renting off just so we wouldn't die in the summer. We thought that was totally normal. It's a lot like being deceived. You, like... If you don't know anything else, you just don't know anything else. And because of that, it's, impo- it's possible to be living in conditions that are so all-encompassing that we're completely unaware. It's like growing up in a house where, the, where, the, where your dad's an angry alcoholic and he goes on ragers and you don't realize that that's not normal until you go spend the night with somebody and they got a sweet dad and you go home and you go, what the heck is going on? <laughs> it's the problem with being deceived. You don't even know it. One of the things I'm convinced of as a pastor is that God's affections felt in, the motion, felt in the emotions is the last frontier. To move beyond just an intellectual understanding, but to move here. Everything that God's doing in your life after, after you meet His Son Jesus and become saved is about taking things that you know and making them things that you know. God's taking you on an 18-inch journey from your head to your heart. 
it's the longest journey. I mean, you, you could walk to California before you make this sometimes. Here's the really good news. The really good news is that he is absolute love and he's absolutely patient. And even if you're just stuck with the knowledge of God that's in your head right now, and even if you stay stuck with the knowledge of God that stays in your head for five years or ten years or even longer, he's, he is so happy with you. Like, he, he's, not, he's not driving the bus and pressing the accelerator down to hit you faster. He, he, he is right there with you for as long as it takes to make this 18-inch journey from the head to our heart. This morning, one of the things I feel like God wants to do is He wants to speak to His sons and daughters all over the room, and, and he, wants to, he wants to whisper over you that He loves you even again. Uh, There are three places in the Gospels where the audible voice of God speaks, and two of those places, He speaks the same thing. This is my son, and I love him. It's so crazy. God, God usually whispers in Scripture. The predominant revelation of God is that His voice is a whisper, so it's quiet. God, he's the whispering God. But there are two place, three places in the New Testament where He speaks in an audible voice, and two of those places are this is my son and I love him. One of, my, one of the things I receive from that is that, that God turns up the volume when he begins to speak his affections and his approval over his sons and daughters. And by the way, the way he feels about his son Jesus is the way he feels about you. That's soul shattering to me. Mm-hmm. I love Luke chapter 3. Jesus is baptized in... The river comes up, Spirit of God comes down in the, for, in the form of a dove and rests on him, and a voice speaks out of heaven, this is my son, I am well pleased. This is before Jesus has done anything. No miracles, no ministry, no preaching, no nothing. Before Jesus had done a thing, the Father speaks his love and affections and his approval over him, and he speaks it in an audible voice. So this morning I feel like God wants to just reaffirm that he's totally in love with you. Is that okay? Why don't we do this? Why don't you stand up? I want to pray for you. Uh, if you're on the ministry team, why don't you come on down? Yeah, God is already here. <clears throat> Why don't you do this? Why don't you just put your hand on your heart? Is that okay? I think I do think I know where the heart is. I think it's over here. I don't Yeah. <laughs> oh. Man, we just love you, Lord. Oh my goodness. We we're just crazy about you, Jesus. We think you're fantastic. Father, I ask that you would that you would speak now in ways that we can hear. 
Father, I ask that you would begin to speak your approval and your affection over all your sons and daughters here. For those of us who are just weighed down with performance and we've just tried to work so hard to please you, God, I ask that you would break us out of that and that you'd begin to speak your affections and your approval over us right now. God, for those of us who intellectually know that you love us but just haven't felt it in our heart or our emotions, God, I ask that you'd begin to awaken us up to a new place and this would be a season of feeling you. We just wait on you, Holy Spirit. (laughs) For every person in this room, the Father says, I love you. Just like you are. If you're really great, I love you. If you're totally jacked up, I love you. In all the ways you have it together, I love you. In all the ways that you have nothing together, I'm crazy about you. Father, I ask that you would wake us up like Rip Van Winkle. God, that we would, that we would arise to a new day of knowing your affections. God doesn't just love you, but He likes you. He actually likes you. Thank you, Jesus. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Hey, if you need prayer for anything, you come on up. We've got a ministry team here. Otherwise, uh, why don't you give somebody a high five and a hug? The Mass is ended. Go in peace.